Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, there was a king. He was not only a great king, but also a committed Christian. His name was Prester John, and he reigned over 72 countries. The lands that he ruled were rich with gold and silver, and overflowing with fantastic creatures. King Prester wrote to many popes in Rome to declare his faithfulness to the Catholic Church. He also described in his letters many beasts that were unknown in the Western world. Men with three eyes and horns on their foreheads, unicorns, female warriors who fought on horseback, and men who lived to be 200 years old. Of course, it's easy to dismiss this story as a fairy tale, but there is some evidence to support the legend actually having its roots firmly planted in historical fact. And his name crops up again and again during the Middle Ages. So, just who was Prester John really, and where did he come from? Welcome to Medieval Madness. Origins. The starting point of Prester John is as uncertain as the legend itself. His name first appears in a chronicle on the two cities written by Otto, Bishop of Freising, in 1146. Here he is referred to as Presbyter Johannes and is said to have defeated an army of Persians and Medes, who were an ancient Iranian people, before he failed to reach Jerusalem. This account was told to Otto by Hugh of Jabala, a bishop from the Latin Crusader states. He describes how Prester John had failed to help the Crusaders in the Holy Land, although he was involved in other battles. Elements of the tale point to the Battle of Katwan, which took place in 1141. Then the Seljuk Turk ruler, Sanjar of Persia, was defeated by the Empire of Karakatai, an East Asian people who had created a kingdom in the center of Asia after being thrown out of China. It was a massive defeat for the Muslims, with a reported loss of 30,000 men, and was so shocking because one of the most powerful leaders in Islam, Seljuk Sultan Sanjar, was overwhelmed by a group of nomadic barbarians. In fact, the news was so surprising that it soon spread across the Middle East and into Europe. The Man Before the legend of Prester John really began, a story was passed around about a man called Patriarch John who had travelled from India to Rome in 1122. He had left his homeland of India because his predecessor had died. Voyaging to Byzantium, he attended a ceremony held there which would acknowledge his appointment as Patriarch of the Indies. At this ceremony, John was introduced to papal envoys who were negotiating with the Byzantine Emperor John II Kaminos. The Pope's representative spoke about the splendour of Rome and managed to persuade John to carry on his journey to the Eternal City. When he finally arrived there, the people were amazed to see a man from the farthest extremes of the world. At an audience with Calixtus II, who was presiding as Pope at the time, John described his homeland as a place of miracles and wonders. He said that its capital city of Holna had the highest walls in the world, which were so wide that two chariots were able to ride side by side along them without falling off. Only faithful Christians were allowed to live there. Any non-Christian who entered had to convert to Christianity immediately or suffer execution. A river of paradise ran through the city and deposited gemstones and gold, which made the citizens very rich. Just outside of the walls was a church which stored the body of the red-haired St. Thomas the Apostle, who once a year rose from the dead and bestowed his blessings upon the faithful. Medieval Christians believed that after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus' disciples, St. Thomas was sent to the state of Kerala, India in AD 52 to preach the gospel. There he converted Hindus into Christians and baptized them. When he died, St. Thomas was buried there. It is thought that Prester John must have been part of the community of the St. Thomas Christians, if not its patriarch, because he was so knowledgeable about the legend. 
the myth. Then suddenly in the 1170s, the myth of Prester John really kicks off when an intriguing letter arrives at the court of the Byzantine Emperor, Manuel I Caminos. The letter began with the author introducing himself as, quote, Prester John of the Indies, greatest king of the Christians. He then goes on to describe his lands as reaching as far as the Near East and consisting of, quote, three Indies, India Major, Middle India, and India Minor. The one he lived in was India Major, and the body of St. Thomas the Apostle was in that one. And he had 60 minor kings who answered to him, along with 62 of the strongest castles in the world. This story was retold by Frederick Zarnock in his 1879 book, De Priester Johannes, using a text known as On the Arrival of the Patriarch of the Indians. Many would regard this story as mythical nonsense, but another totally unconnected text validates this visit of a man called John to Rome. The writing comes from Odo of Reims, who was in Rome when the enigmatic John made his appearance. In his letter, Odo refers to John as an archbishop rather than a patriarch, and explains that John started his travels because the King of India had died without an heir, and the people wanted a Byzantine prince to fill the position. Several applicants for the role died on the way back to India, and Emperor Manuel refused to send any more candidates, so John carried on his search by going to Rome. After giving his entertaining speech before Calixtus, John was made to swear an oath on the Bible to prove his incredible claims to the disbelieving Pope. The Legend The Prester John letter continued to describe fantastic animals such as lions, camels, elephants, and griffins, who were so strong that they could fly whilst carrying an ox to feed their young. John also described how, quote, there are in our lands also unicorns, who have in front a single horn of which there are three kinds. Green, black, and white. And it's not only animals that are fantastical in Prester John's lands, there are also bizarre looking peoples like those that have only one eye, bipeds with only one large round foot, some with four eyes at the front and back of their heads. A community of Christians who are tiny and no bigger than a five-year-old child, and those who are, quote, Men from the waist up, and in the other direction they are like a horse, and they eat raw meat and carry bows. There are areas where dragons live in caves at the edge of the known world, and people who have been trained to be dragon masters. In a place near to Babylonia, there are, quote, The giants who each year pay us tribute and are subject to our orders. John described his utopian lands as heaven on earth. There are no thieves in our country, neither among our citizens nor among the foreigners. For God and St. Thomas would have confounded them, while we would have put them to death. Let it be known that nobody in our land dares to commit the sin of lechery, for at once he would be burned, because the sacrament of marriage has been ordained by God. Nor does anybody dare to lie in our country, for he would be hanged. There seemed to be zero tolerance for any transgressions, but there was also compassion for the, quote, poor of the land, as they are supported from our own income out of love for God. On one particular island, there was a fountain of eternal youth, or at least a fountain of extended life, where anyone who drank from the waters would supposedly live for at least 500 years. There be dragons. The rumors surrounding Prester John would obviously catch the attention of eager military leaders and monarchs. Let's face it, who wouldn't want help from someone who can bring monsters and train dragons along for the fight? And here was a man who, according to his own letter, was a committed Christian and carried a cross into the battle at the front of his army so that everyone could be reminded of their Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't he be perfect to help with the Crusades? Indeed, he vowed to help reconquer Jerusalem and offered to join forces with the West in order to achieve that goal, promising lands and positions of high office to those who would unite with him. His letter ends with a request to be referred to as a priest on, quote, 
account of our humility to be called by a less important name and title. Sounds ideal, right? Well, during the Fifth Crusade, which began in 1217, Pope Innocent III sent his Christian soldiers off to conquer Egypt, which was considered the key to retaking Jerusalem. After their successful siege at Damietta, rumours began in 1221 that the Prester John army was on its way to help save the day. Of course, too much time had passed for the army to actually be headed by Prester John, who first appeared over 70 years before, which coincidentally does bring doubt to the Fountain of Youth. So, now the Christian prince leading the soldiers was one of his descendants known as King David. The rumour was so great that the Crusaders launched a premature attack on Cairo, but their rescuer never arrived and for the Christian army and their fifth crusade, ended in defeat with the loss of many resources and many lives. Smoke and Mirrors Every time a new place was explored and there was no sign of Prester John, he would pop up somewhere else. The myth rolled on through the years. In the 1240s, the papal envoy Giovanni de Pian del Capin travelled out to see the Great Khan of the Mongol Empire. He asked about Prester John and was told that he had fought against the Mongols and had been successful by assembling a line of large bronze statues that threw out huge quantities of smoke against the Mongol horde, in one of the first instances of a smokescreen being utilised in warfare. Stories about John were repeated as being fact right up until the end of the 15th century. He was even said to be descended from one of the three Magi who visited Jesus after his birth and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wanting to believe. It is very easy for us to laugh about the Prester John myth, but the European medievals knew very little about the world outside of their own continent and any land east of the Tigris River was shrouded in mystery. So they had to try and make sense of the unknown lands beyond their own. The tales that emerged from those lands offered up a fascinating insight into how the medieval Europeans made sense of the unknown. And considering that their lives were dominated by the Catholic Church and that any other religion was seen as heretical, it's not surprising that they would want to believe in a Christian saviour living out among what they imagined to be exotic lands. A man who was fighting their cause amongst the pagans and Muslims of the East. From the evidence available, it would seem that in 1122, a strange visitor did arrive at the papal court. But who was he really? Where was he from and what did he talk about? The story of Prester John is still one of the most pervading and fascinating myths of all time. Thank you for watching this episode. I'll see you next week for another one. Cheers.